Chris, Allison, Walter, thank you all for playing today. If you have your Bibles, I'll ask you to go ahead and turn with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. In just a few moments, we'll read some scriptures out of Genesis chapter 1. Did you pay attention to the scriptures that Robbie read out of Deuteronomy 4? Am I correct? Deuteronomy 4. Were you listening? about the responsibilities that parents have to teach God's Word to their children and to their children's children. Now, what's incredible about this is this is the the proclamation for Israel as they prepared to enter the promised land. And uh, what God was calling them was to be a righteous people and to teach the nations that the, the... the nations they would conquer and the lands that they would take over, that they would teach those pagans about the God of Israel. And you can read your Bibles and discover that uh, they failed at that. But the application is still true. The Bible says, you know, God told Abraham the same thing. We read a scripture about that. Abraham was to teach his children and his children's children. Everybody in his household forever. Moses says that we're all supposed to be doing that, teaching God's Word in our household. Um, The Shema, Deuteronomy 6, says the same thing. When we were singing How Great Thou Art, uh, verse uh, 3 struck a chord in me, and uh, I want to read the verse, and then I want to read to you. So hold your finger, hold your finger at Genesis 1, and go to Romans 8. And, And again, I just, this stuff just touches my heart when we're singing and reading, um, and these hymn writers who understood the Scriptures and wrote profound things about God and God's holiness and God's Word and God's salvation and the work of Christ. This is one of those hymns that does that. But um, in How Great Thou Art, in, in the third stanza, uh, it says this. It says, And when I think that God, His Son not sparing, Sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Amen? And that's some good stuff. Well, when we were singing that, I thought about uh, Romans chapter 8. Verse 32, Romans 8.32. Make sure I'm in the right place. Verse 31 says, What then shall we say to these things? You know, all things work together for the good that those who love God are called according to His purpose. Those He foreknew, He predestined. So Paul says, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He, this is a verse you underline in your Bibles, if you write in your Bibles. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all. Isn't that amazing? He didn't spare His own Son, but He he and the Son 
freely gave. Uh, and then it says, so if God has given us His Son in re- to redeem us, to, to birth us anew, save us, whatever term you want to use, then the writer Paul says, how, how shall He not... Uh, how will He need... I'm sorry. How will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? And it's the argument from the greater to the lesser, right? Everything else that God has promised in this book is less than Him sacrificing His Son to redeem sinners. So everything else that God has promised and does promise in His Scriptures, He will fulfill if He gave His Son. The argument is, if He freely gave His own Son to redeem you, will He not also give you everything else that He's promised? Amen? Will He not? Amen. You didn't seem too excited about that, but it's a big amen, right? Genesis chapter 1. And I just want to read, um, and we love the book of Genesis, and um, we believe uh, Genesis to be literal, it's not figurative. Uh, we believe the first, to be honest with you, scholars have said this for years, the first 11 chapters of Genesis lays down the foundation of everything we believe. So, so all of our doctrines, you know, everything that we understand, a biblical worldview, all of that's laid down in the first 11 chapters of a, of a Genesis. Um, and while I'm here, uh, we love creation ministries. We, we love answers in Genesis uh, in Kentucky. There's another ministry that I, I do a lot of reading from their stuff called the Institute for Creation Research, ICR. The, the initials ICR. They're in Dallas, Texas. They are a great ministry as well. But I love what Answers in Genesis says. They believe, they believe God's Word from the very first verse. It is God's Word beginning at Genesis 1.1. But I want to look at beginning at verse 26. Again, we're still talking about the family. And I am going to read a little bit in just a few moments from the, the handout that I gave out last week. I know many of you don't have that with you today, but, but I'll be glad to read it to you. We made it about halfway down. This is God's Word. Then God said, this is the sixth day, right? He's going to rest on the seventh. And by the way, they're not epics of time. Each day is a day. In the Hebrew, it's a day. Everywhere else is translated is a day, 24-hour period. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. That's both male and female. We'll see that in just a second. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them. 
And God said to them, Excuse me. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air of heavens and over every living thing, every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed. Isn't that amazing? You don't think about that. The plants yielded seeds. So in those seeds were what? Other plants, right? Isn't that incredible? I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth. In every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, uh, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. So, in creation, right, everything, everything was vegetarian, right? No meat eaters, right? And the meat eaters came after the flood, okay? Um, And it was so, and God saw everything that He had made all six days. And behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. And again, what Jesus said in Matthew 19.4, Have you not, we have read, haven't we? Have you not read that He who... He who created them from the very beginning made them, made them, created them male and female. I think about, um, I wrote this little statement. I was asking Diane about this. I said, if Christians do not trust God's truth concerning gender identity. Now, let me say this again. If Christians do not trust God's truth concerning gender identity and roles in life and marriage, then where will we decide to find that truth? Argument is that if you and I as believers or Christians don't take God's word literally and don't believe He speaks the truth about whatever, marriage, family, identity, sexual behavior, whatever, if we don't believe it's truth, then the question is, where are we going to go to get that truth? And, and I'll tell you where you're going or where people go. Number one is, it's either it's self-determination or self-will. You decide what the truth is. And that's very popular today. Self-will or self-determination. You decide. So what's true for you? And this is, this is it'll sell. This will sell. What's true for you is true. What's true for me is true. Can that possibly be true? No, it can't be. But we reject that because we believe the Scriptures. We, we say, you know, as, as Protestants or as Evangelicals, as Southern Baptists, we believe in the authority of God's Word. Now, again, I, I'm the first to tell you that I believe that. 
I believe in the authority of God's Word. I believe it's inspired, it's infallible. But I'm honest with you, I don't live it. Neither do you, like I should, right? So we're, so it's either self-will or self Second one is we believe the vain philosophies of the world. That's what Paul says to the Colossians. We believe the vain philosophies of the world. Or you might even say the spirit of the age, uh, Ephesians. So either you're going to do it yourself or you're going to accept the vain philosophies of the world or the spirit of the age or even ultimately the father of all that is who? The devil. Who is a deceiver, right? So, you're, so either you're going to self-will your truth or you're going to accept the truth that the world's selling. And Paul tells the Colossians that if you do that, vain philosophies of the world pillage you. It, it really is the word used in the Greek language sometimes for rape. So it, it rapes you of the truth. If you want to accept the world's standards, it will pillage you of what God's will is. Worldliness, accepting the world, you can't do that. And, or you can accept Christ and His Word. And of course we say in our confession... we. We accept Christ, but sometimes we, we don't live as if we accept His Word. Think about parenting. Thinking biblically about parents and parenting. We've talked quite a bit about this. And honestly, whether it's your children or not, in my mind, you know, not only my children, my four children, but my grandchildren, eight grandchildren. Walter has a bunch of grandchildren. Many of you have a bunch of grandchildren. Not only do I think, you know, what I want my children to be, I mean, that's pretty settled. Our, our youngest is now 36, so, so, or 35, so that's settled. You know, what they're going to just about settle. But all my grandchildren, so you're thinking biblically about what do you want for them? What do you want? And, and the answer is, what is your greatest desire for your, for your children or your grandchildren? If you're biblical, you would say, I want my children or grandchildren to grow up as humble servants of Christ. See, we wouldn't, if you were to write it down, you might not put that. You might want to say, I pray, I hope my child, grandchild becomes a successful football coach. Dale, where's Dale? His son's a, where'd Dale go? My chairman of deacons left. And, uh, that's pretty good. Chairman of deacons leaves right after the music. That's great. Anyway, I'm just kidding. Don't tell him I said that. But anyway, so you might say, or I want, whatever. You know what you would say or think. You want them. But honestly, and I can't say this, but you want us to be able to say it, that even if my child was, uh, you know, picked up refuse for the city, or I, I, that's not a bad job. I'm, you know what I'm saying. But if he did it, or she did it, and he was growing in a servant of Jesus Christ, that's what you want. You know, Jesus said, the greatest among you will be a slave of all and a servant of all. But when we think about parenting, do we sit around and think, that's what I want for my child? Let me show you something interesting. We're there in Genesis 1, but go to... Go to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. And we'll stop here just for a second. Ephesians chapter 5. 
And I know we've read, uh, we've read uh, this several times into chapter 6 about parenting, but uh, I just want to show you something to me that I just noticed this this week. And you know, it's one of those revelations, not a revelation, but you learn. God taught me something today or this week, and I just wanted to share it with you. I'd never seen it this way. So when you're reading Ephesians 5, uh, you know, therefore be imitators of God, and then he talks about marriage. But before he, you know, verse 22, wives, which is a very definitive passage about what headship and submission ends up being if you follow Jesus Christ. Verse, but I want you to notice down in verse, uh, the whole thing is set up, he, before he talks about wives and husbands, and then in chapter 6, verse 1, talks about children obeying your parents and, you know, fathers. By the way, I also found, are you listening to me? I also found this week in the original language that the word fathers, you with me, is plural. So it's indicating that it could be both parents. Where it's, it is, it, the root word is pater, which is male father. But it's plural, so it, it's talking about more than one. So it could include the mother. So fathers, you could say parents, do not provoke your children. I heard that. I didn't know that. So we move on. But I want you to notice verse 18. Chapter 5, verse 18. This whole, whether you're, whether you're marriage or whether you're parenting, the Bible's going to tell us there's one important spiritual rule that, that has to be present for you to be the, the partner in marriage you should be or the parent you should be. And that's being filled with the Spirit, right? And that's the honest truth. Am I right? If you're going to have a godly marriage, you're going to have to be full of the Spirit, right? Am I right? I'm married. I'm almost 62. My marriage isn't perfect. We have fusses. And if you're not filled with the Spirit, you'll act like a moron. Right? Or you'll say things you'll regret. You'll, you'll act like an infidel. And then sometimes you let those, those little fights fester. Right? And the wife gives them the silent treatment. The husband stomps around and slams doors. It goes on for three days. Which none of that's the will of God. That's what sinners do. But if you're filled with the Spirit, it won't go on but a moment. And then there'll be repentance and reconciliation. Am I right? So we have to be... So if you're going to parent godly in a godly way, you're going to be a, a spouse that God that's obedient to the Scriptures. Chapter 5, you know, 22 through 6, 4. I think it's key that you be filled with the Spirit. I just found that. I, 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 that's, so, to me, it makes so much sense when I read that to know that, that being filled with the Spirit is key. And, and really, the way it reads, this is just you know, what scholars say, you can read chapter 5, verse 18 like this, be being kept filled. So it's something you never quit doing. Less of you, more of the Spirit, Right? Empty yourself, filled with God's Spirit. And how are you filled with God's Spirit? By being in God's Word and submitting to it. So, uh, you know, Paul says to the Galatians, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. But if you're not walking in the Spirit and in God's Word, guess what you will do? You will fulfill the desires of the flesh. 
And that's when you act like a pagan. You act like an infidel. You act as if you've never been saved. And that's very possible for believers. Now, this is the hand. I'm reading from the handout I gave you last week. And it's okay that you don't have it. I can read to you. And I'm going to, make, I'm going to read them all, but I'm not going to make comments, but on the last two or three. This, this was the back page. In the Garden of Eden, God's beautiful gift of complimentary manhood and womanhood was beautiful and perfect. And you see that in Adam's response to Eve in Genesis 2 when he says, Wow, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from me. She was taken from the man. So it's a beautiful thing that God did. Error and confusion over God's plan often results in distortions in gender roles, aimless parenting, and confusion about spiritual leadership within the local church. So if we distort maleness and femaleness, or the roles that God assigned to each, then we have confusion over parenting, over church leadership. We just don't operate under God's authority. A spiritual stupor seems to rest over the church of God and the pulpits. Parents are busy, and the God of this age is capturing the hearts and souls of children. Um, You know, the Bible says several times in all the synoptics, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic Gospels. I'll give you one. One's in Matthew 10, 25. It says, it is enough. What it's saying is, what's the desire? It is enough for a, a disciple, which the word disciple means learner. Okay, so let me read it like that. It is enough, or all that a learner wants to happen. So it is enough that a learner be as his teacher. So every learner desires to be like their teacher. And that's going to happen if the teacher does their job over a time. And so let me ask you, if you're not teaching your children anything about scriptures, are they getting it in public school? No. And even if the school is a public school like I think ours are right now, or representative of our community, that's, they don't have the privilege of doing that. So if you're not teaching your children God's Word, they're not getting it. And if you're not teaching them, somebody else is molding them. And, and then the Bible says, if you're just logical about biblical worldview, the God of this age, is what it says, the God of this age has blinded. Who is the God of this age? The devil. The, it says the, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience. So you're being taught, or they ultimately are being taught by the pits of hell, if you want to simplify it. So we as parents, we as grandparents, we as a church, you know, if, if you're here today and just think, and I know many of you have worked hard in the church and I'm, I'm grateful I do want you to come on the 5th. We need these teams to operate and, and get back in the flow of things because we haven't done a nominating team process since the COVID issue, the pandemic. We haven't done anything since the pandemic. So we're going to get started back on the right foot for the new church year, which starts in September. It doesn't really matter. Church life goes on. Uh, I lost my train of thought again, but that's, <laughs> let's move on. So a, sp a spiritual stupor seems to rest over the church of God and the pulpits are silent. Parents are busy and the God of this age is capturing the hearts and minds of children. So just want you to think, oh, I was thinking about teaching here. 
So when you're, when, if you're here today and you teach a class, whether it's adults 90 years old or children 3 years old, think of the importance of what we're doing. You're teaching God's holy word. And, and just another little note, isn't it, does God's word and, and the church and God's people deserve more than you getting ready 15 minutes before you get here on Sunday? I mean, there's no way we can counteract what the world does by teaching one hour. But we do have an hour or two and an hour on Wednesday nights and I do things online. We, we better be teaching God's Word. And let me say something. Let's just say, let's say you don't care about coming to Bible study. Think of the, the opportunities you're missing to hear God's Word. And you never know. I think about, and again, I'm just talking to you. You know this as, as a Christian. I'm, I'm talking from my heart. There are times when I am studying God's Word or even I'm hearing God's Word, listening to somebody or I go to a conference, and God, that it, you will have a moment and God will just either, you know, He, he reveals something to you or He breaks your heart. He, he brings a deep conviction or something just something special happens in that moment in time, right? You know what I'm talking about. It's just something incredible. You see something in Scripture you've never seen before, or you make an application and, and just grow in grace and knowledge, and, and it's just a significant time in your life. Well, if, you're not, if your children aren't hearing God's Word, they're not going to have those moments. If you're not in worship or in study, you won't have those moments. So that's why we want them under God's Word. And, and, you know, they may go home and tell you that preaching is boring. But God's Word's not boring. And, and so we want them under God's Word. In the Old Testament, it said, you know, when the Jews had gone back and were rebuilt, and they, they had, the temple had been destroyed. This was after the Babylonian captivity and the Persian Empire. And so the Jews are able to go back and they start rebuilding. And so this is when Ezra and, and, and Ezra gets to read the Scriptures, and the, and the people as a whole had not read the Scriptures in years. And so Ezra starts reading, and the people just stand up in honor of God's Word. But then it says, everybody who could hear and understand were part of the worship assembly. If they could hear and understand, they, were, they, they stood there. And, and the Bible said Ezra did this for hours. But, but, but that was because God's Word is so important. You think I'm long-winded? Hey, you know Paul preached all, all night long. You know, somebody fell out of the window. So I'm not long-winded as some. And I'll tell you something else. A friend of mine, though he's not a great friend, but he is a friend. I know who he is in Elmore County. He preaches an hour and 15. He preaches. That's not all I'll do. He preaches an hour and 15. He preaches an hour and 15 minutes every Sunday morning. I had somebody tell me they thought he was going to empty the church. An hour and 15 minutes. He preaches. Not that the service lasts an hour and a half. He preaches an hour and 15 minutes. Of course, if I preached that long, I'd probably have a heart attack, but, but we'll move on. So, so here's another. The culture has molded many Christian fathers into desiring power and possessions rather than spiritual responsibilities in the home. And, and that's the Adamic nature. Uh, fall, we're, we're corrupt in Adam. And uh, I have a book in my office, two books, one called The Silence of Adam, and in the events of the, the, the temptation of Eve, 
Adam didn't say much and should have said something. And uh, the absence of Adam. You know, Adam wasn't, or wasn't where he should have been and what, didn't say what he should have said. And men do that. Guys, I'm going to tell you, being a spiritual leader is not for chickens. But I'm telling you, men, your home is your responsibility. And God didn't come looking for Eve. God came looking for Adam. And he held Adam responsible for the first home. And he will hold you accountable for, for being the priest of your home. There is no doubt about that. It is a mat. And see, that's why wives should love their husbands and help them. Because they're the ones that's responsible. So that's why they need a helper. And the, the, bucks, the buck's on their desk, not on yours, wives. It's on their, their responsibility. It's a massive responsibility. And so, but a lot of men are absent, you know. Um, they work two or three jobs and make a bunch of money, but they're never at home to lead their children or, or spend time with their wife, that one flesh... You know what I'm talking about. The, spirit, the, the next one says, The spirit of the age hates the call of wives to be submissive. The sad consequence is that in many Christian homes, the call to honor and affirm the husband's leadership and display a gracious disposition to yield is, a very, is very weak or absent. Uh, and so you have to decide. I mean, 1 Peter 3, uh, Titus 2, well, all these passages we're going to read. If we get to it today, we'll read one about that. I mean, God, God designed the roles. It's not talking about whether they're equal in personhood. Yes, they're equal in personhood. It's about roles and, and how God has established. He made them male and female, and those male and female have roles. And you find that in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Parents are often duped into trophy parenting. I think I, I did finish with this one last week, but this is a big temptation. Trophy parenting. That is basing your self-esteem and values as a parent through the attention and applause your child receives from their peers or your peers or the community. You know, you, you just have this desire for people to be impressed with your children. Um, you might, and I, again, I, I've done it. I, obviously, I, I, I'm a parent. My children were young and you'd come to church and say, now before we go in, and grit your teeth and say, you better not. And, and the whole motivation at that moment, for me, and probably for you, is not necessarily being Christ-like, it's, it's embarrassing you. Don't go in there and cuss, or don't go in there and steal, don't go in there and hit somebody, don't act like a fool. And, and what you're thinking is, about your you, it'll embarrass you. So what? So what? Let me tell you what your child is. A wicked sinner. And guess what they're going to do? Act like a wicked sinner. All, they do, all of them do. So your kid's no different from somebody else's. We talked about that last week. But don't we love to judge other people's parenting? Right? Hello? Is this on? Hello? Don't you love? Don't you love to be self-righteous and tear somebody up behind their back about how much how you'd change you'd change that child if you had five minutes with them? You, you say stuff. You may not say that, but you think that, and you wouldn't do it. But but we say that. It's tough. Parenting is tough. 
But it's the greatest call in the world. Being married is the greatest covenant in the world. It deserves our best. Parenting deserves our full attention. But you have to intentionally do it. You know, the older I get, I have these moments where I, I reflect on being here for 23 years. And uh, sometimes it's not good. But a lot of times, you, like with Emily graduating from college, What? You know, you, or you, you have all these things that happen and you think, holy moly, and time blows by. Anyway, let me read this last one. God made male and female. We read that in Genesis 1, 27. And he named, I tell you what, we're, gonna, we're out of time. Let's, one more verse. Uh, yeah, <laughs> one more verse, Gary. Go to Genesis 5. Let me show you one thing you may not know. And we'll finish with this. God bless you. I'm, I'm sorry I didn't get where I wanted to go. But Genesis 5, it's my own fault. Genesis 5. So think about this. It's just one of those other roles. If God made them male and female, and, and in, in, in God's design, somebody's a head and somebody's a helper. Ephesians 5 teaches that. But you find that in the book of Genesis, right? This headship and, and helper you find in, in Genesis. So... So we read it. You can go to Genesis one twenty-seven. Uh, let me read that again. Genesis one twenty-seven. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. God created him. Interesting. Male and female, He created them. Now go to Galatians. I'm sorry. Go to Genesis five two. I'll pick up at verse one. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, He made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, He created them. And He blessed them. And He named them, what? Man. It's the word Adam. Adamah. He named them Adamah. This is why, from a biblical standpoint, the wife would take the husband's name. This is an example of that. They were called man. They were called Adamah. They were called Adam. She took his name. So, and why would, that, why would that be true? Because God had established roles. And there was a head and there was a helper. Man was responsible. The wife was the helper. And all through the Bible you will see that a man is responsible and a wife is responsible for, for, for respecting, honoring, and helping him lead his family. That's just what the Bible says happens. And it says the husband is supposed to love his wife. Every time it talks about marriage, it says the, wife, the husband has to love his wife and the wife needs to respect her husband for what he has to do. That's God's plan. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and our hearts are open to the Lord. And in this moment, this morning, we're going to have just a moment or two of invitation. But folks, I, I, I know that we've kind of scattered and shot a shotgun this morning about the family and about God's Word and about church life and about you obeying God's Word. But, and we'll pick back up on this next Sunday. But I, I just want you to know it's my conviction and it's the conviction of Scripture, there is nothing greater than the home than raising godly children for the glory of God. Even that's in the Bible.
uh, in Malachi, it's, why did God make two people one flesh? It says, it asks that question to, to produce godly offspring. And I pray to God that, that as a parent or as a grandparent that you're serious about that, that, that you care about teaching God's Word to your children and grandchildren, teaching the Scriptures to people in the church, that it matters for folks to hear God's truth. But maybe you're here today, and today is a day of decision for you about church life. Maybe you're here today and, and you are saved, but you're not planted in the local church. And in, and in God's providence and in God's mercy, you're here, and God is moving in your mind and heart to, 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 make, to make a decision to plant yourself in a local body of Christ. This could be your, your day of decision to come and be a part of Redland Baptist. But there, there also may be somebody here, and probably is, that you've never been born again. You've never repented of your sins. You've never surrendered your life totally in repentance to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're the God of your own life. And the Bible calls you to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ so that you might be saved. Today can be the day that God saves you. And I'm inviting you. Maybe today you want to come and just speak a word to me about the need of salvation. When we stand and sing, you can come tell me then or, or maybe you can see me after church and say, Brother Bryce, I want to talk to you about what it means to be saved. There may be other decisions that need to be made. Maybe you're a parent and you need to make a fresh commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you want to come at the altar and pray for your family and for your children. Whatever God leads you to do, that's what we're going to do. Father, we love you and thank you for your grace and mercy. Bless our moments together in Jesus' name. We stand and